If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to a short letter written to Titus, I'm just going to read a few verses, starting at verse 11 of chapter 2 of Titus, and I'll read to verse 13. So Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I find it very interesting the things I remember from my childhood. I don't know if you can think of things from when you were very young, but as Christmas approaches, I'm sure we can all recall memories of when we were little and how we celebrated at this time of year. So perhaps we have memories of things that we did at school or presents that we received or specific um, times spent with family. I can remember one Christmas getting a wooden garage for toy cars that a neighbor had made for me and my two brothers. And another year we had... um, plastic torches that were shaped to look like futuristic ray guns. And when we pulled the trigger, the torch beam would come on and it would project a circle of light on the ceiling, on the walls, or wherever we were pointing it. And at school, I can remember trying to count to 100 for the first time and learning tables and spellings. I always found it much easier to remember times tables than I did spelling words. And so as I got older, I was more interested in the maths we did rather than in reading and writing and spelling words. It was always a bit of a struggle to read books at school. And after I left school, I don't think I read a single book for three or four years. I just wasn't interested at all in reading. But I kept going with maths and with numbers, and much later on I ended up working with numbers as a job. So to start with, that was with uh, British Gas here in Southampton, and later on I did a bit of maths teaching, and even a bit of accounting work later on. I never thought I would end up doing that, but I did. Today, though, I'd have to say that it's words and books that interest me more. I still struggle, though, and it takes me a long time to write anything, but I've become fascinated by words. And it probably has something to do with moving to France and having to to learn French, which I needed to work hard on. I'm not a natural language learner, that's for sure, unlike the rest of my family who seem to enjoy learning all kinds of languages whenever they get the opportunity. So Rachel loves uh, Russian, (laughs) Swahili, Uh, We've got Italian going on most days, and even a bit of Japanese. So my interest 
in words is linked to living in France, but also, I think, linked to when I was in my early 20s and just started to explore faith for the first time. And that interest has continued to grow ever since then. I've come to realize how important words are. I don't know if anyone shares this experience, but while I was preparing for this morning, I found myself thinking about the word Advent and wondering about where that word comes from and what it really means. And if it helps, that's the first of three questions that I want to try and answer this morning. What is Advent, or what is Advent all about? I can remember having Advent calendars growing up, although as I researched this a little bit, I was surprised to learn that Advent calendars that have chocolates in them only became popular in the 1980s, even though Cadbury's made their first one in 1971. And I can remember watching Blue Peter as a child, and every year they would make an Advent crown out of wire coat hangers and tinsel and four candles that would be lit. And if you're interested, you can find all the old videos on YouTube. So I think that I had the idea growing up that Advent meant something like a countdown, a countdown to Christmas. And there was always a sense of excitement in the build-up to Christmas. I can remember that very clearly as a child. But is that what Advent really means? Like I said, I'm often fascinated by words and their meanings and origins. And I came up with the title for this morning, A Great Adventure. Because I found myself wondering, is there a connection between Advent and adventure? And I wonder what we think. Is there... Is there a connection between these two words? Are Advent and adventure linked in some way? And perhaps it has something to do with excitement, because an adventure is usually something to be excited about. In the dictionary, the word adventure is defined as an unusual and exciting or daring experience. In French, there's the word advenir, which means to happen, and avenir, which means the future. And when we go on an adventure, perhaps we are wanting something to happen, something unusual, exciting, or daring. And Advent is traditionally the period leading up to Christmas, when we are perhaps looking forwards to the excitement of opening presents, certainly children do, seeing family and friends, eating a special meal, or even just having things that we don't have usually the rest of the year. So wrapped up in this word Advent is the sense of something that is going to happen, the idea of waiting for a special or exciting moment. We could say that it's about looking forward or anticipating something that's going to happen in the future. So that brings me to my second question for this morning. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? It seems to me that we spend most of our lives waiting for things. And even in this 
age of instant everything, we still find ourselves waiting for things every day. It seems to me that waiting is built into the fabric of life. And I'm sure we remember as children the difficulty of waiting for Christmas to arrive. And waiting is something that we find all over the Bible. And I think it'd be good to turn to a few passages which speak about waiting to try and answer this question of what are we waiting for? A simple Google search for the word wait in the Bible gives us quite a few places where people are told to wait. So we've just finished a series on Sunday mornings where we were thinking about our front lines. We don't want to forget that. But before that, if you remember, we were working our way through the book of Lamentations. And in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 26, we have the verse, It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And as you probably know, the Bible is full of, of prophecy and promises. But both promise and prophecy imply the need to wait in order to see fulfillment. And it's often exciting to discover as we read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that there are many times, as we're reading about Jesus' life, there are many times and places where the things that had been prophesied or promised hundreds of years earlier are suddenly fulfilled. In the new year, we're going to be looking again at Matthew's gospel, and it's very striking the number of times Matthew points out the moment where some word that was spoken in the past by a prophet or by God himself finds fulfillment in Jesus. But promises are only fulfilled after a period of waiting, after a lot of anticipation and, and looking ahead. And that is what Advent reminds us of. We are on a great adventure where looking forward and waiting is an essential part. You probably know that Isaiah is the prophet who is quoted the most when it comes to Christmas and the fulfillment of long-awaited promises. And in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, we find these words. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And in the Psalms too, we're often encouraged to wait. The first time we find this is in Psalm 5, verse 3, where we have these words. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. So when we ask the question, what are we waiting for? Often, we're waiting for the Lord to answer our prayers. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. 
Because waiting isn't an easy thing, especially when we find ourselves in a difficult or desperate situation. But waiting is also a personal thing, a relational thing. As Psalm 33 verse 20 tells us, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Or Psalm 38 verse 15, Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. And the final time we find the idea of waiting in the book of Psalms is in Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. So what are we waiting for? Often, We're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for God to do what he has promised or to answer a prayer that we've prayed. And we're encouraged again and again in the Bible to wait and see what God will do. So Micah chapter 7 verse 7 says, But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Saviour. My God will hear me. Or Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So as we know, at the time of Jesus, people were desperately waiting for the Messiah the promised king of Israel, who would come to establish a kingdom that would last forever and would fill the whole earth. That was their hope. That was their desire. That's what they were looking and waiting for. And just as people were waiting for hundreds or perhaps even thousands of years for the Messiah to appear, so today we're also waiting for the same thing, for Jesus the Messiah, to return, as he promised he would 2,000 years ago. I just find that fascinating, that the same thing that people were waiting for at the time when Jesus was born is exactly what we're waiting for, but in a much greater sense here today in 2022. So there are lots of things that we can be looking forward to. Christmas, seeing people we haven't seen for a while, giving and receiving gifts. Or we look forward to other things as well, don't we? We look forward to the arrival of a a baby. That's always very exciting. Or perhaps a long-awaited wedding is something we look forward to. These, These are all good things. But as Advent reminds us, the thing that we're really waiting for and wanting is Jesus. So Hebrews 9 verse 28 says, Jesus was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. What are we waiting for? We are waiting for Jesus. And having thought about what is Advent all about and what are we waiting for, the third and final question I'd like to 
briefly try and answer this morning is, what about disappointment? What about disappointment? Because anticipation, although encouraged and looking forwards, has a downside. And that's when the things we're looking forward to don't live up to our expectations and lead to disappointment. I think many people feel the pressure at this time of year to make Christmas the most wonderful experience, the best time ever. But almost inevitably that doesn't happen because it's not really within our control to make other people or even ourselves happy. Often we wait for things and in the end they disappoint us. We can perhaps put our hope in having a Christmas to remember at the end of this Advent season, but what we really need to put our hope in is something that will not disappoint us. We're living in a world that is far from perfect. None of us needs convincing of that. And yet we have this desire for the very best of things, a desire that's built into us. We long for things to be better, don't we? We long for perfection. And that in itself should tell us something. Waiting and hoping and looking forward in anticipation is something that Advent reminds us about. And I think it's, it's very good and helpful to have this build up to Christmas because it reminds us that we're actually waiting for something else, something much bigger than Christmas. And as I've said already, this idea, we find this idea of waiting all over the Bible from start to finish. It's something that is highlighted and underlined and encouraged. And so we shouldn't feel that there's anything wrong in wanting a great adventure. In many ways, I think that this is what we are made for. And this is part of God's promise and purpose for us as people But it points us to something much more than we've begun to imagine. So let me finish with the words that I started with from Titus. Words that were written by a man who started out by seeing Christianity as something that was dangerous and wanting to put an end to it. These are words that I think are very appropriate for this season of Advent and something that we'll have the opportunity to think about a bit more in house groups later this week. So Titus chapter 2 from verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. If we look forward to what God has promised, then that hope will not disappoint us.